This is Problem Solved, the IISE podcast, where we talk to industrial and systems engineers about their work, ideas, and solutions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. I'm David Brandt, Web Managing Editor for the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers, and today we're talking about the mind-body connection, an extension of an article from the November issue of ISE Magazine written by our guest today, Ashley Benedict. Ashley J. Benedict, PhD, is the Vizen System Redesign Coordinator, Lean Six Sigma Program Manager for the VA Sunshine Healthcare Network. And she is also a member of SHS. She has made appearances and presentations at many of the HSPI conferences. And I assume, Ashley, we're going to see you again this February in Savannah? Yeah, I'm signed up to teach a workshop. So excited about that. Excellent. Excellent. There's more information on the conference for anyone who's interested in going. It's the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference, and you can learn more at www.iisc.org slash HSPI. Having said all that and made that plug, uh, uh, Ashley, welcome to Problem Solved. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk about uh, the article from the November magazine. And this article really stuck out to me because when it comes to finding ways to take a, a slower tempo to life, particularly when it comes to my work, I'm always looking for solutions now and and that extends from being a cancer survivor, uh, which we'll kind of get into a little bit later uh, based on our questions here. But I like reading articles where people have really thought about the value of their time, concern over their personal health, really how that impacts their day-to-day living and working. And it certainly plays a role in our careers. So for those who haven't read the article in the November issue, Talk a little bit, Ashley, about the circumstances that led you to trying out techniques or practices in mindfulness. Sure. So at work, um, Visine, uh, the VA Sunshine Healthcare Network, is going on this journey of uh, whole health. So when we care for our veterans, we don't want to just provide uh medical care, health care. We want to really treat them as a whole person. And, and one big component of that is self-care. So we've been deploying with many of our veterans uh, this whole health approach, kind of this mind-body approach, because many employees right, care for veterans. Uh, I'm not on the front line, but I am an employee with the VA. We've started rolling out this program with staff to get them to become more mindful and, again, focus on some of that self-care. So I got the chance to enroll in an eight-week course uh, taught by two people, not you know psychologists, not trained experts. I mean, they had gone through some mind-body training, but it's not what they do full-time. One of them is our virtual care coordinator uh, for our vision. And another one, I think she actually might have done like some sort of mental health, like maybe social work. And they were our teachers. We went through this eight-week session and it was really great. It, so we used different tools like meditation, dialoguing. We did some chair yoga that day we got rid of the rolly wheelchairs and we pulled in uh, some, you know, static chairs because that could have been dangerous. We did mindful eating, drawing where we did like kind of our current state and then drew an image of what that felt like, you know, pulling us back in a sense to our childhood, you know, just kind of being creative, using different colors uh, and then also drawing our future state. Where did we want to go? Kind of projecting where did our path lead? We did some imagery and that was kind of like guided meditations with stories being told. And then one of the fun, really fun days was shaking and dancing. So you, you close your eyes. Uh, you're not, you know, watching everybody else shake and dance. You really kind of listen to some music, shake it off in a sense, you know, going back to Taylor Swift. We're shaking it off, letting it all out, and then playing some, you know, fun music. And then we're just kind of dancing. And it really kind of releases pent up frustrations you might not even have known you had. And then we did some daily gratitude and really thinking about the day and what was working well. Okay. So that was kind of my journey. In the article, I I challenged the readers to go on the journey with me throughout the, the, the two page article. But, you know, take a minute, do some meditation, some breathing in and out just for three minutes. Next time you go have a meal, you know, just take one item, really savor it. Think about where did it come from? 
who grew it? If it, you know, it was fresh produce, who grew it? How did it travel to get to the store? How did it get to your home? How did it get to your work? You know, really thinking of the journey of other pieces that were touching daily, you know, that we, we kind of take for granted that we have things so accessible to us and really kind of connect to, you know, what your eating's journey to get to you. One last piece was, you know, really to either um, kind of draw current state, future state, or just imagine, you know, kind of go from that path again of thinking about your present state to your future state or do some dialoguing. You know, what's what's one thing that's really a frustration and have a conversation with that frustration. It sounds silly, but it really is enlightening. It's almost the way I referenced it in the article was doing a five whys. You know, you're kind of talking to this frustration and saying, like, why are you here? What, like, why, why am I having to deal with you? And then the frustration is able, you know, you, you, of course, you're answering for the frustration. Sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, it's, you know, and you're, you're kind of diving deeper into why that's occurring and, and what's causing that. And then you normally get to a place where you go, you know what, I, I can solve this. I can, I can try something different and do something you know, new that I'm not doing currently to alleviate this frustration. So that was what the article was about, you know, using these different tools. I will, you know, being honest here, I will say there's some I've fallen off of. There's some I've kept with. Uh, there's some that, you know, we just are experiencing January and the new year and thinking about if you're, if you do resolutions or what is your goal for the year, I spent the end of December really kind of reflecting on the year mm -hmm. and thinking about, you know, what went really well, what didn't go so great, what did I just forget to do, uh, what did I intend to do but just didn't do, what was a failure, you know, what were some of my failures last year, and kind of using that end of December to reflect and then using January to be like, okay, where am I going to go this year? Uh, and one of my goals that I picked... You know, now I'm putting it out on a podcast, so I guess I have to hold to it. <laughs> I plan to do, it's a leap year, so 366 days of yoga for 15 minutes or more. So not a huge, you know, I'm not planning to go to a yoga class every day, uh, just 15 minutes of yoga every day for 2020. And just see if I can really take it and build it into my life and, and just be part of who I am kind of using that as as a goal for this year, which if I wouldn't have done this class last year, I probably wouldn't even have considered that as a goal. Sure. So let me ask this then, because you just listed to what I think to a lot of people would sound like a whole long list of just task and, you know, things they have to add to their calendar to try to fit into their day, because making this kind of leap and adjustment and sort of reconfiguring how you operate as a person takes a lot of discipline and takes a lot of practice. I think a lot of people, when it comes to hearing the term mindfulness, get very skeptical. And I think it's a little bit partly a cultural problem. You know, you see maybe people on Instagram <laughs> or Facebook who are, you know, sitting on hills and meditating and someone took a photo from behind them of them looking at a sunset while in a meditative pose. I think people get a little bit skeptical and they just don't steer themselves toward it. You said that some of these uh, practices have stuck with you. Some of them have already kind of tapered off. How did that happen? Which ones are sticking? Which ones have tapered off and why? Well, there's a couple things I've done that I think have stuck. Um, I haven't been as strong with the meditation, say, every single day. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like that, you know, doing uh, yoga kind of incorporates some of that meditation. So that's one that that really has started to stick a little bit more, um, just spending some time. And I've actually found after the yoga is over, taking a minute and I, I do YouTube videos, right? I mean, I'm not, again, nothing too dramatic here of, of my yoga practice. Sure, It's over and I just pause it and just take a minute to kind of breathe, not think too much. Uh, again, one of the things I kind of reference in the article and that really stood out to me when I started to learn about meditation was meditation's not about not thinking. Mm -hmm. Like, right? So many people, I think, as you're saying, you know, on Instagram, there you are sitting, looking at a sunset, your mind is clear. And, you know, you just no thoughts are entering your head. But really, meditation is about 
being present in the moment in which you're in. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you don't have thoughts. And it's oftentimes recognizing those thoughts and then releasing the thought. So allowing those thoughts to come and and almost being like, hello, thought. (laughs) And then okay, I'm going to put that away now yeah. and not dwell on it. It's not meant to, you know, sit there and think about, oh yeah, you know, I got, I got my grocery list. I got to go to the grocery store. Then I got to do my laundry. And then I've got, it's not going through all of that. It's saying, you know, if it pops into my head, Hey, you got to go to the grocery store. Noted. I need to go to the grocery store, put it away. Mm -hmm. Okay. Focus on your breathing. So building that in. And again, that's sometimes easier said than done. I'm, I, there have been times where I've been, you know, laying and I'm thinking, okay, focus on my breath, focus on my breath. And then the next thing I know, I'm thinking about, Hey, I got a podcast I'm recording today. I wonder how that's going to go. Am I? Nope. Okay. Back focus on your breath, focus on your breath. And what I like about the yoga practice is it's a practice. I love that term. Mm -hmm. I will say other people I've encountered who teach yoga, practice yoga, they all talk about it in the same way that it's, my yoga is going to be different than your yoga. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different than anybody else we meet. And it's up to me to kind of self-develop and work through those iterations of what yoga is to me. I really like that concept. Um, I think we, you know, as industrial engineers, we work with a lot of teams. Their processes have to fit to them. So the same is true for me and my yoga. That's been something I've latched on to more. The shaking and dancing, I don't do that very often. Unless we're doing it like as a group for, you know, a work thing. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. I'm not big onto that one. It's a little it's a little uncomfortable. When I do it, it does feel great. But I actually kind of find that one maybe stirs up too many emotions. I almost feel emotional when doing the shaking and dancing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm I'm ready for all of that yet. I don't know why that like sparks so much in me. But that one I, ha- I really haven't stuck with. Uh, the mindful eating, you know, really trying to uh, not have a TV on or not have, you know, the iPad or the iPhone in front of me while eating, just eating, you know, being there, enjoying the meal, thinking about, you know, maybe the nutrition, what this food is providing. So building in some of that. And then definitely the daily gratitude. Uh, that's one I really tried to focus on just at the end of the day. I don't write it down. I, it's not a big to do. Just thinking about, you know, what went really well today? What what did I find joy in? Mm -hmm. Uh, What brought me a little bit of happiness? But you're right that many of these can feel like to do's, right? They can feel like, you know, oh, I didn't yoga today. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Like last night I had gotten a shower. I was in bed and I thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't yoga today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it's just 15 minutes. You know, it was maybe 930. I said, it's just 15 minutes. It'll probably actually like calm me and get me ready for bed more so than hype me up, you know? So just having that, that chance to kind of relax. I think everybody has to find what works for them. A couple things I've done. uh, I've partnered with a friend who at work, we, when we're both at the office on the same day, we try to do a walk around a lake that's outside the back of our office. Mm -hmm. It's about a mile long, maybe takes us 20 minutes. We walk down the stairs, but we take the elevator back up. Uh, (laughs) But while we're walking, you know, you know, we're not always talking about work. It's funny because the other day I was getting frustrated with something, something in Excel. I couldn't figure out. I still haven't figured it out. Uh, And I, I was talking to her about it. I said, I'm really struggling with this. And she's like, let's take a walk. And she goes, you know, just us going on this walk may open it up. No, it didn't. But there have been many times where we've both been frustrated with, you know, something we're trying to do. And after that walk, we know the solution. Mm -hmm. Like having a buddy is, I think, really key. It can help you kind of stick with it. And that um, since the classes, we've actually been doing that. We've kind of been accountable. And we're not always, you know, I'm not always in the office every day. She's not in the office every day. Uh, But when we're both in the office, we definitely try to go. And we've invited others along too. I live in Florida, so uh, we can walk year round. No, no problems there. <laughs> Lucky and, you. <laughs> and the other really cool thing is how many amazing 
animals there are behind our office building. You mentioned an alligator in the article, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That's not for me, but go ahead. <laughs> There's, we, we saw a, I don't think I've ever seen a true like baby alligator in the wild. This thing was probably maybe a foot, a foot and a half long. And I mean, that was just incredible to see. Here we are walking around and we see, you know, this tiny little alligator. Now we've seen other bigger alligators too. It's Florida. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the birds, oh my gosh, we've seen so many different types of birds. Uh, in kind of the fall, we saw, uh, saw a lot of babies. Um, there were a lot of birds with their little babies walking around and just, you know, just paying attention to nature uh, has been really, really kind of a, a fun experience. The observation of nature as you're walking around, has that been something that you have only experienced since practicing mindfulness or undertaking these walks? Was it something you didn't notice as much beforehand? Yeah, I would say probably beforehand, I was looking for the alligator. I was just, you know, I, I know there's an alligator in this lake. I'd maybe look for the alligator, but more focused on getting around Doing it maybe once a month, I'd walk out back. Yeah. You know, not very often. And now I would say definitely weekly, if not a few times a week. And then seeing the bunnies, seeing the birds. I don't think I noticed all the birds before. I mean, it's really incredible. I wanted to step back a little bit and bring up what you had described about the idea of it being a practice rather than, you know, just a series of tasks or an individual task. Um, it made me think of a, a really great book on meditation I read years ago called 10% Happier. It was written by uh, an ABC correspondent named Dan Harris. He had been a reporter during the uh, early years of the Iraq war and um, was very much in the Middle East, you know, for long, long stretches of time. And he described coming home, dealing with a great amount of PTSD and having trouble sort of, you know, reconnecting into normal life, described having a panic attack, reading the news on Good Morning America. He was live on air and suddenly just couldn't talk. It's, it's an interesting story, but part of what he had reported on was the culture around religions in the Middle East. And through that reporting, uh, it led him to meditation. So to kind of skip ahead, he talks a lot about the idea of how difficult the practice is, because to your point, you've got thoughts running through your head constantly. And I think because we live in such a distracted world where we have our devices and we have our list of things we must do. And because we maybe put importance on things that maybe don't matter as much, but we tell ourselves that they're really important. It makes finding that moment of calm and that ability to be present incredibly difficult. Was that sort of your mindset coming into this? What was some of your skepticism, if you had any at all, as you approached this mind-body class? I used to live up in Boston. And when I was up in Boston, I wasn't really doing anything, say, fitness-wise or yoga-wise, any sort of health you know, health, self-care type things. Um, and when I moved down to St. Pete, one thing that really... I wanted to focus on was more of that health piece. Mm -hmm. And I started, I joined a gym. I go to Orange Siri Fitness, just built relationships with people in that group. Same with yoga. I, I started going maybe once a week. It was maybe once every two weeks to a yoga class. And the funny thing is, is I, I've still kept going to the same yoga studio, but they moved. And in the first place they went to, we probably had... 30 people shoved into this space where if you twist it just wrong, you'd be bumping the person next to you. But we all loved it. You know, we were all there together. The instructor was so on point. I just, I think I really connected to what he was saying. And that, when this class came around, kind of brought that back up again and allowed me to kind of explore that some more. But yeah, the ability to really kind of self-reflect. I think the point you were making about so many folks have PTSD, whether uh, they were in the military or not in the military, you know, we're finding out a lot about that, a lot about just general mental health care. I think there is this sense in the U.S. that we don't really want to talk about it much. And I don't know if that's really just our culture or it's really cross-cultural. 
um, or some of these other cultures, they have meditation. So they're able to process some of the things they've experienced a little bit better. But I do find that, you know, being self-reflective, being introspective allows you to see what brings you joy. It allows you to narrow down what do you want to spend your time and energy focusing on. It allows you to be more creative. And the thing that always gets me too about this is it's simple. Like when we talk about meditation, just setting a timer on your phone and breathing for five minutes can have an impact. And I actually loved, I don't know what it's called, but the little like additional box in the article. I have it right here. It's an easy path toward mindfulness. The three tips, have a buddy, do less than you can and take one breath a day, which is, I think, where you're going. I loved that. I absolutely loved that. Um, Obviously, I mentioned having a buddy. Uh, Do less than you can. You know, speaking on my own self, could I do more than 15 minutes of yoga a day? Sure. But what he talked about was, does it become a chore? Does it become a, oh my gosh, I've got to schedule this in. I mean, 15 minutes. Do we not spend 15 minutes on Facebook or Instagram or looking at emails we already read or I mean, I have no excuse to why I can't for 15 minutes do some yoga Mm -hmm. and then take one breath a day that just I mean, it kind of gives me chills as we talk about it. Just if you do nothing else, just focus on one breath a day. And the interesting thing is, we're breathing all the time. Right. We, if we stop breathing, something's wrong. Correct. But it's a lot like what you were talking about with mindful eating. It's that taking in the nutrition, taking in the taste of the food itself, because if you're like me for the longest time, I always thought of my life as being on constant deadlines. Mm-hmm. So when it came to eating, it was just like, all right, let's eat. Let's uh, hurry up here because you got X, Y, Z things to do. And so I didn't eat slowly. I always ate in a hurry. And that has some really negative health uh, consequences, as I've kind of discovered recently. But <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that taking in that breath is really, I think, kind of the same thing. It's really just taking that moment of pause, breathing in you know, feeling the air come into your lungs, feeling yourself exhale. I think that's the attempt to get to some sense of clarity, even if just for a couple seconds, because that's a really good feeling for a lot of people. For sure. Um, The other thing that I always think of when I'm meditating too is, again, your example of sitting on the rock, looking at the sunset. Do you think there's not noise there? Of course there's noise. You know, <laughs> and, there, yeah. if I'm meditating in my office, is there going to be no noise? Of course not. There's going to be noise there. So I think one of the interesting things is, is that, again, meditation is not meant to be like seal yourself up, you know, go into a monastery, sit cross-legged and think no thoughts. You know, you recognize, you hear the noise. You say, OK, I recognize that noise and you let it go. And maybe it becomes background noise. Maybe you focus on it, but it's okay. You know, it's again, the chance to just be experiencing that one moment. Speaking of moments, uh, you wrote in the article that you scheduled specific time intended for meditation. I think any listener right now has already started thinking about whether they can convince themselves to try this, even if it's just for five minutes. But they're equally concerned about finding that time. Even if you set a reminder on your work calendar or on your phone, a person can just ignore it or postpone it without follow up because, you know, you've got other appointments and other things happening. What's your advice for accomplishing that necessary commitment? Because if it's practice, it requires commitment. Oh, for sure. And this is probably timely, right? January, new beginnings. Sure, of course. <laughs> um, but there were times that I did, you know, I, I did hit ignore when meditation came up. I really focused on that during uh, the sessions, the eight week session that I was in, mm-hmm. that I, I was trying to stick with that. I buddied up. Uh, one of my friends was reading a book and in the book she was reading, she wasn't allowed to go to the next chapter until she did specific meditations. Uh, and she was like, I can't get through this chapter. I'm just, I'm supposed to do this meditation for five days in a row. And I've done one day and then I missed two days and I did one day and I missed two days. And, you know, you had to do it five days in a row before you can move on. So I went and sat in her office. She sat in her chair. I took a blanket, laid it on the floor. We, you know, did a 15 minute meditation session. So similar to, you know, my walking buddy, 
uh, finding somebody to do it with. You know, it's kind of interesting too, because there's something about breathing with someone else, you know, kind of experiencing that, even though you're in your own head and you're doing your own thing, you know, it's not like I have to rely on her, but just being there able to connect, uh, open up, you know, I, I shared with her things that I might not have been comfortable sharing with her before the sessions. Sure. Putting you kind of in a vulnerable situation and allowing you to open up to that. And it, it does take time, but it's got to be yours. You know, my, again, my practice is not going to be your practice and recognizing that and saying, OK, what am I willing to do? You know, am I willing to do five minutes in the morning? I have a, an, another friend I was talking to. We met for lunch one day and she goes into work 15 minutes early and begins her day for 15 minutes doing meditation. And after that 15 minutes, she's able to focus on work and do her work for the day. But she's really found that that works for her going in and doing that 15 minutes of meditation. I've got another friend super focused on yoga, Mm -hmm. Uh, helps her, you know, increased her flexibility, increased her mindfulness. Physically, she's feeling great. That's her practice, you know, so we got to figure out what works for each of us and build it in. And the thing is, we, I think we all know intrinsically that it's good for us, right? Like walking. No, don't walk. Right. No, walking is good for us. Breathing. Yes. Keep doing more of that. Exercising, taking a break when you need a break. I can remember probably maybe seven or eight years ago, uh, working with somebody in the office. Um, and we were working and working and working. And then all of a sudden he just looks at me and he goes, Ashley, I don't know about you, but I need a break. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I was so focused on the task at hand that it didn't even come to me that like, we've been doing this for four hours and we probably should take a break. Now I I find that I am a little bit more cognizant of that, you know, building in breaks, uh, especially when meeting with groups, you know, maybe having more breaks than a a group might've done before, not the every two hour break, but you know, every hour and a half have a break just because people need that. Um, I found myself bringing meditation into uh, meetings I've been having. So I've been known to at the beginning of a meeting as people are joining, just play some uh, a meditation from an app, you know, on my phone. In a meeting I was at a couple weeks ago, we did some chair yoga. We also did some uh, meditation with that one too. Just building it in and and taking a minute to kind of connect to the people around us to have that break. You know, you can think like, yeah, I'd like to meditate every day for an hour. That's not really possible for me. I know that's not possible for me. So why try to create a goal like that? But then also, as I mentioned, like we're going to PDSA it, right? Plan, do, study, act. We're going to use these tools we know as industrial engineers how to use. Let's apply them to our own life. You know, really self-development is how I look at this. We, we work with teams and help them develop and change and uh, get better. So let's use those same tools on ourselves. Right. It's like, it's like, why shouldn't you as the individual do the same that you do for teams, right? Exactly. Exactly. Let's take some of those tools we know. Uh, and apply them to our own lives. And I mean, if you're, if you're struggling, so for instance, with the meditation, you know, I'm struggling, uh, maybe do a five whys on that. What's stopping me from doing regular meditation and come up with solutions for things I could try, you know, do it in the morning. Nope, that doesn't work. Try it at lunchtime. Nope, that didn't work. Try it in the afternoon. Nope, that didn't work. See what works for you and and build it in. In the context of resolutions, I have to own up to the fact that I had a little bit of a health scare over the holidays. And the basic end result was, you know, David, you need to lose weight. So I am very much on the resolution of losing weight right now. So I'm up very early in the morning and I'm in the gym. I'm drinking lots of water. I've started drinking smoothies and I've basically turned into a smoothie scientist right now. It's about all I talk about. You could ask people at work. I talk to them about now all the time (laughs) about about like, what's the best ingredients? What do you like to drink? What do you not like to drink? You know, that kind of thing. Right. And then of course I got people yelling at me about like, don't use juice. And I'm just like, I don't know any better. So, <laughs> but the thing is, is that all of these things I tend to do very early in the day because someone a few years ago introduced to me the idea of eating the frog first mm-hmm. was the phrase they gave me. Yeah. And so you, you had mentioned your colleague who meditates first thing in the morning. And, and that's what that made me think of is the idea of like, 
your biggest challenge of the day, the thing that you're least looking forward to, but probably need the most, maybe should be done early in the day. But to your point, everybody kind of has a different formula or approach where the morning isn't the best time to do those sort of things. How did you determine your schedule? How did you determine what was the best time of day for you to practice these things or the different moments during your day to stop meditate, breathe, take a walk, whatever you need to do. Yeah, we um, with the walking, we tend to try to go either morning, maybe mid morning, just as our morning break. For the yoga, I've been doing that in the evening, I have been sticking with the yoga in the evening. And somebody was like, Oh, you should do it in the morning. And I just thought, if I tried to get up earlier than I already get up to do this yoga, I think I'll start resenting it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, great. You know, here I go. I got to go do this yoga. Now, keep in mind, every time I do the yoga uh, exercises and stretching and mindfulness and meditation, I feel great afterwards. Yeah. I probably wouldn't resent it. I just haven't gotten there yet. Sure, sure. It's still kind of early uh, for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the honeymoon phase still. Uh, yeah. Gotcha, um, gotcha. <laughs> But I think you have to have a couple things like you want to hold yourself accountable. So set, you know, set some goals. I use I'm using a tool on my phone. Um, I think it's just called productivity. Mm -hmm. I think or productive productive is the app name. You literally list things that you want to accomplish and how often do you want to do it? So I put on there. I want to do yoga every day. Mm -hmm. I want to go to Orange Theory three to four times a week. Recently, I want to try to volunteer once a month. Um, and I'm not tracking, you know, every brush your teeth today, make sure to floss. I probably should add the floss to it, but it's okay. <laughs> I, I think everybody struggles with that one. <laughs> I can now look and see, okay, what have I accomplished? What have I set out to do? Am I keeping on track? Uh, so I, what, one thing I did do when I scheduled it into my calendar, if I didn't do it, I deleted it. Mm -hmm. Meaning I didn't get to keep credit for myself. So I was able to go back and see, okay, of the last two weeks, here's how many times I meditated. Mm -hmm. And not just leave it on my calendar to be like, oh, it just serves as a reminder. Sure. But it was a great thing to kind of in the initial stages to put it on my calendar. Uh, and as I mentioned in the article, I made it a free, you know, on Outlook, I made it free. So it wasn't like it was blocked and nobody could schedule a meeting with me then. If somebody needed to get, you know, I think I scheduled it around 10 or 10, 15. Mm -hmm. If somebody needed to meet with me at that time, I just moved it a little earlier or moved it a little later, uh, had flexibility with it. If I didn't get to it in the morning, I might have done a longer meditation in the afternoon, just kind of playing around with it. And again, seeing what works best for you. I try a... Pomodoro clock. The idea being that you work for or focus for a certain amount of time, maybe 25 minutes, and then you rest or relax for 10 to 15 minutes. And that's an app on my phone that I use. Um, I forget if it's actually called Pomodoro. I'm going to look real quick for anyone who's interested. That's something that I have used over time as a way to sort of I don't like the word balance, but basically to just better manage my day. For anyone who's interested, it's called Clear Focus. I get no money for that, by the way, for mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, I do that. I use that to sort of like, okay, stay focused for a few minutes and then you get to take a break. And so throughout the day, I take little breaks and it seems to work. But then there are some days, especially when, you know, at IISEHQ, we get very busy really the first half of the year for our conferences. And we are spending so much time getting those prepared to make sure, you know, all the members have a good time and get a lot out of it. And then the closer we get to a conference, the less I use it because I, I just tend to get a little bit more stressed. That's where my habit breaks in using that. Yeah, I use that when I was writing my dissertation. Oh, yeah. Oh, of <laughs> I course. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Where it was like, I can't focus on this for, you know, eight straight hours or 12 straight hours or 16 straight hours, depending on how close I was to my deadline. Sure. And, and yeah, kind of breaking that up. So yeah, definitely a good tool to use. You also wrote about being, I think the quote was more present in meetings as one of the rewards of practicing mindfulness. I'm going to be honest with all due respect to my colleagues. I am actively trying to avoid meetings all the time, uh, particularly when I expect my involvement or opinion about the topic to be limited. Why is there a difference now in how you approach work or social interactions than there was before mind body? Yeah. Um, so I think the focus is when I'm in a meeting, I want to be present. I do a lot of virtual meetings. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy. I, and I agree with you on the avoiding meeting. If I cannot go to a meeting or have a meeting, 
then I don't want to. If it can be done in an email, let's just take care of it in an email. Well, much of my work, and I'm sure you probably experienced this as well in yours, uh, much of my work requires a long commitment of concentration, um, particularly when it comes to, say, for example, editing this podcast. It's hard for me to start and stop, start and stop. I, it's it's a creative experience. It's, it's almost artistic in a way. You want the conversation to sound smooth, but you're dealing with you know rough audio and you've got to do a lot of tweaks and things. So if I stop... Even for lunch, it's very hard for me to just stop because I'm going to be gone for an hour at least. And I don't know if I'm going to have the same motivation coming back to the task at hand. Yeah, right. Like getting in the groove and then all of a sudden it's broken. Exactly. Exactly. I think the same is true. Like thinking of meetings that people attend and you see them on their phone the whole time. Well, to me, their time would have been better spent being at their desk, doing whatever work they needed to get done. So if I'm in a meeting, I, I really want to kind of fully be there. I, and, I, and I want to be willing and able to say when I'm not needed at a meeting. You know, I, th- I guess that maybe is part of the mindfulness piece. Am I at the meeting because I want to fill up my calendar and look busy? Maybe I'm an anti-employee in a sense that I don't want to be busy. I want to be productive and be doing value added work yeah. when I need to do work, you know, not, not just filling it up with non value added tasks. So I, <laughs> people tease me at work, because I'm constantly streamlining what I do, how I do it. Oh, we I can cut out time on this. Oh, I don't have to do this the long way like I used to do it. I got smarter and fixed this. And now I have more time to have those long periods of focus, right? And spend my time and energy on what's really adding value to my organization. So that's been really, I I think this sense of mindfulness has helped me recognize when I'm not really required and, and telling some, you know, being able to go up to somebody and just say, listen, thank you for the invite for this meeting. But I either one, what value do you see me bringing to it? You know, being comfortable enough to ask them or two, I don't see myself bringing any value to it. Uh, you know, I think you should select somebody else or have someone else attend it. So mindful in that sense, but also really when you're present in meetings, it helps the meeting be more effective and efficient, right? If everybody there is really focused on what we're trying to accomplish, you don't have the repeats. You don't have the, and again, I would say about 90% of my meetings are virtual. So the, Hey, Dave, Dave, are you there? Dave? Um, Dave, so I just asked you a question, Dave. Dave, yeah, okay. You know, and I'm I'm having to call on you multiple times <laughs> and get you to respond. If you're invested in the meeting and mindful of the meeting, you're actually listening and you're contributing and you're being part of it, and really kind of fulfills you. And I, I want meetings to be kind of fulfilling that there's I'm adding value again to this to whatever we're trying to accomplish. So, you know, when you're in the meeting, you're kind of less likely to get derailed, to go on tangents because you want to focus on what we're trying to accomplish. And in the long run, you can have much shorter meetings, right? If everybody is mindful and present, hey, we can end this meeting early. Super. Nobody's ever complained when a meeting ended early. No. And I know several of my colleagues who feel that exact same way. Uh, They they take joy in the short meeting. I I will say that. But this also leads into a a topic that's a particular favor of mine. And if anyone's been listening to the podcast long enough now, they absolutely know what that topic is. And that's essentialism. Um, When we're talking about meetings and whether or not we should be a part of them and what the meeting manager is looking for from us, sometimes it gets lost in the idea of vital versus trivial. And that is very much essentialism, which is one of, you know, many different forms of mindfulness and and disciplines that are discussed. And this, of course, is based on essentialism, the disciplined pursuit of less by the author Greg McEwen. Again, I don't get any money for that. But um, it's uh, something I've been practicing since I survived cancer about 10 years ago. I think there's been an evolution over time that more and more people are observing others who are practicing what you're practicing and discovering like, oh, she seems to have a lot more focus now in her work or she seems to have clarity. She certainly seems to have more joy, you know, Uh, and and I think that's something that's been really interesting because, again, it's difficult to reduce noise and distraction in our world. If the end reward is similar to what you found, which is, I think, largely clarity, each of these disciplines 
it requires as much consistency as quality exercise or diet. How do you ease into beginning such a practice without making it feel like it's just another task on your to-do list? And I know we've kind of tapped into this before, but for you, were you really selective? Was it very much as you sort of filtered out, this is what I enjoy doing, whether it's a walk or deep breaths or yoga, and this is what I don't enjoy doing? Was that kind of how you ended up dividing what you're still practicing and what you've decided not to any longer? Or was it just sort of the challenge of practice itself? Yeah, I that's a very good question. Um, I know it's a loaded one. Sorry. <laughs> And, and, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing, you know, some of your experiences that, that it makes me think, um, you know, one of my friends was, is a breast cancer survivor and we were walking one day together and she says to me, I need to stop living in fear every day that it's going to return. Like, yeah, yeah. That was common for me. That yeah, was very common for me. Like she, she's like, why even have survived it if I, I'm just in a constant fear that it's going to come back? You know, I, I have not experienced something like that. And I didn't even know what to say. I just was, I think, kind of quiet because she was having this moment of realization of, you know, if I'm worried about this every day, then I might as well have it. Well, <laughs> and, and yet I don't have it. So Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't given much thought to that now, until now, but um, I'm, I'm happy to not. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so like, kind of that ability to, to move past it. And I, I guess in a sense, recognize who you are now, you know, with what you've experienced and what you've gone through. I mean, the same is true, you know, of anybody kind of going again through this practice, you know, thinking about who you were two years ago, thinking about who I was five years ago, mm -hmm. who was I 10 years ago, you know, just going through those iterations of being human, of experiencing life. I'm a a big fan of kind of minimalism and essentialism. I listened to the audiobook of essentialism, uh, which I think I should have read. I, I don't know if all the concepts really stuck with me as well. I read the book first and then I listened to the audio version. And after I did both of those, I went back and actually made my own little primer. So I actually went through the book and, you know, filtered out the essential information. I filtered out kind of the exercises that they encourage you to do. Exactly. And I also yeah. figured out what defined an essentialist versus a non-essentialist. Yeah. So I really treated it as like a course for myself. I treated it as like, this is something I'm studying and I want to really break it down. Instead of having to go back and read the book over and over again, I've just created my own little primer that just has these little reminders about make time in your day for breaks, make time in your day for play make time in your day to communicate with those you love. And, and, you know, so for me, it's, you know, calling my parents, I need to remember to do that more, you know, making these little substantive notes to yourself about how you want to practice your day to day life, because it is a practice. It takes habits and it takes discipline. Um, I always think of it in the context of, you know, habits, trade-offs and luck. And essentialism talks a lot about trade-offs. So you really have to consider, what am I giving up? If you take your 15 minutes and schedule that on your calendar for yoga, you have to ask yourself, what are you trading off? You know, what are you giving up to do that? And the same thing's reversed. If I'm committing, you know, maybe a half hour extra in my workday to try to get a project done faster or try to catch up on something even, what am I trading off in my personal life? And I think that's part of the practice. I think a part of it is thinking about the value of your time. And that's really the biggest lesson I, I pulled away from essentialism. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm a big fan of podcasts. <laughs> so I, um, I, I use them on my commute to work and uh, back home. And then uh, when I have to drive, so I, I cover most of Florida in my job. And when I'm driving to one of our locations, I listen to a podcast and one that I really enjoyed. It's just a five, uh, maybe five to seven minutes. I feel like the advertisements are equally as long as the actual podcast. Often the case. Be aware of that. Um, but it's called Before Breakfast. And it's uh, this really great, just tidbits. I mean, again, it's, you know, five minutes, maybe seven minutes is the longest podcast of things you can try. And a couple of the things I, I've tried to incorporate into my life that this person talks about is one is scheduling your week out on a Friday versus a Monday. Mm -hmm. Don't think about what you have to do for the week on Monday morning and, and plan because 
Uh, what does that normally do? Well, normally Sunday night, you're starting to think about, oh, what's my week going to look like on Monday? And then Monday, you go into the office, you don't know what you're going to have to deal with and focus on. And so she talks a lot about planning your week on a Friday. And that's really been something that I've been able to kind of incorporate into my life to think about. Uh, and, and she talks about, you know, moments of kind of your career and work moments of connection with others, moments of that, you know, sense of community, giving back, health, exercise, uh, yoga, but also play, you know, enjoyment, joy, things that add no stress. So when I was first doing this um, and kind of getting into this, one of the things I wanted to do was say yes to more things, you know, say yes to opportunities that uh, came up that maybe before I would have been a little bit hesitant to. She also talks about planning something really fun on Sunday nights so that you're not dreading kind of the work week. Mm -hmm. You know, the weekend isn't spent thinking about Sunday night. Oh, gosh, everything's going to, you know, I'm going to have to do something for the work on Monday, but really enjoying the weekend and looking forward to something on Sunday night. So something I've personally done is I do trivia with some of my neighbors on Sunday night. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't win always. <laughs> but we always learn something new. We have a good time. We have fellowship. You know, we talk about what was our week like? What is our week ahead like? We talk about, you know, something gets mentioned in a trivia question. We'll have a conversation about that. Maybe a song's being played on the radio or on the, you know, system. We'll talk about that. And that's really been something great for me to kind of incorporate into my life. So just some of those small little changes. Again, even when you think about planning out your week, you know, starting on a Friday and looking forward, you know, thinking about how you're going to spend your time over the weekend, also for the week, and I think building it in. So I normally know for the next week, when am I going to work out? You know, when, are my, when am I going to go to Orange Theory? And I have that slated. Here are the nights I'm going to go. Or when do I have something else going on in the evening? Now, my work calendar, I tend to focus on, you know, in like kind of daily, I'm looking at it. But again, if I can get rid of a meeting, I'm going to try to do that. If, if, and I, I block off things on my calendar of what I'd like to accomplish. So how I'm spending my time, how I'm using my energy. So building that into your calendar. And that's one thing I think you can do with any of these kind of practices. You know, what, where do you want to spend your time? When do you want to do it? Again, taking one breath a day. That's all we've got to do. That's all we've got to start from is just doing that. Ashley, what advice do you have for ISEs who just feel stuck either in work or personal life? If they don't have a mind-body class of their own to attend, where should they go to learn more about how to practice mindfulness? Well, a couple things. I think um, they might be able to find a class. Uh, there is, uh, we have been using in the VA, the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, and they may be having classes where you can go and actually take a class and learn more. Mm -hmm. A lot of local yoga studios have, you know, weekend classes or evening classes dedicated to more uh, mindfulness or, you know, meditation or focusing on specific parts of the body. There are lots of apps if you're interested in meditation. I know I personally used Headspace. Uh, I've used Calm. Lots of apps available. Obviously, everybody can use YouTube. Uh, tons of opportunities on there. Go to a local yoga studio. I'm sure there are other, you know, say Zen opportunities, or if Tai Chi is your thing, go find Tai Chi. I don't meditate while running. I, I'm sure there are people out there that really get, right? They say that runner's high, they're just focused and they're in it. Uh, when I'm running, I'm thinking somebody should be chasing me right now because there's no reason I should be running. Uh, <laughs> I this. That's what I think about. I don't know about you. But <laughs> uh, well, I, play, I play, I grew up playing soccer. So if there's not a ball in front of me, okay. I hate doing it as yeah, well. Right. So, you Why know. am I doing this? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I hear people, you know, or go for a walk. I, I maybe find that more when I'm walking. Sure. Just, you know, right before bed, incorporate, you know, set the timer for five minutes and just do some soft belly breathing, you know, in through the nose, out through the mouth. It's really great when you start to do these little, just little changes in your life, how you notice, like since doing yoga, it hasn't been that many days. Um, but since I started, I've started to notice when I'm slouching more and I think, okay, straighten up your posture, you're slouching. And just those little things, or I find when I'm kind of holding my breath, you know, if there's something like I'm 
doing an exercise and it's hard and I think, no, the, the breath is going to help me. <laughs> it's meant to help <laughs> me, right? Like that's what expands and kind of develops your ability to stretch more in that part of your body because of your breathing. Your breathing is what's sending oxygen to that region and, and creating more space within your body. So that has been something that's kind of driven me to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, again, working through PDSAs, if you're an ISE, then I'm sure you've done one or two of those before in your past. Build that into your, you know, what works for you in your life. And hopefully everybody will kind of go on this mindfulness and mind body journey with me uh, and with you. It sounds like you've incorporated things into your life. Uh, here and there, here and there, uh, constantly working on it, though, because like you said, it's a practice. And right. there are days where I kind of throw it all to the wind because um, maybe the stress may be one for the day. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes it, it wins out and I just give in. But the thing is, like you've said, you think about the choice and you think about the result. So knowing that, yeah, the stress beat me, you know, on Thursday, remember that going into Friday, despite the fact that, you know, the weekend's coming up and that makes things easier all the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, just kind of remember, you know, how you reacted to things on Thursday. Try not to react to that again on Friday. Yep, exactly. And I have this one quote I really like um, to keep in my mind. So I live in St. Petersburg where Salvador Dali, there is a museum with the largest collection of his work outside of Spain. Oh, very cool. And he is known for this quote of saying, um, don't fear perfection, you'll never reach it. And I really like that when I'm thinking about this mindfulness practice, there's, there's no perfect, there's no end game. Like, it's not like I'm going to get to some point of yoga and be like, great, got that accomplished, you know, can check that off my list. Now working on my, my PhD. Yeah, I got to an end point. I didn't have to keep working on it anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. But with this, uh, with this mindfulness and with yoga and meditation, let's say I accomplish and do 360 days of the 366 days this year of yoga. Like nobody's going to give me a certificate of, you know, accomplishment. I might print one up for myself, but <laughs> there's no you know, sure, external sure. reward to go along with this. And I think that's the beauty of it, right? It's just working on yourself a little bit at a time, finding what you know brings you joy, what is you know what trade-offs are you willing to give up on or what are you not willing to give up on and spending your time as in in ways that really add value to your life. And on that note, we'll bring this to a close. Um, this was fascinating. I really learned a lot. I'm certainly going to consider uh, a lot of what you wrote in your article and a lot of what we've talked about today going forward, because again, it's a practice and I want to keep practicing. Ashley, this was great. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. This has been an episode of Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. If you like what you've heard, then please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you're an IISE member, you can participate in discussions about this and other episodes at connect.iise.org. If you're not a member yet, then you can learn all about the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers at our website, iise.org. Thanks for listening to our show. 